There's not long till the midterm elections, and Democrats are pulling out all of last-minute stunts to get votes. I'm Byron York from The Byron York Show. Download and subscribe to my daily podcast. Hear me get right into the news of the day. You can subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Dana Lash here for ARC Seeds. There's a growing sense of instability and uncertainty. Gas, housing, everyday items are way up. Uh, food prices have the nation reeling. The ability to grow your own healthy food is on almost everybody's mind. So this is why I want to tell you about ARC Seed Kits. You can visit ARC, A-R-K, ARCSeedKits.com and enter code DANA to receive 10% off. Now, ARC Seed Kits, it's a non-GMO seed company. It's family-owned, and they provide heirloom seeds for across the nation for over 13 years. They want to make sure every home in America has the ability to grow and harvest its own food. And these are the highest quality heirloom seeds. They arrive in a sustainable container offering long-term and short-term storage. And they also bring seed-saving knowledge and food preparedness to you in your community. You can get seeds for vegetables and herbs. They have 50,000 organically grown seeds in each kit. We're talking corn, watermelon, cucumbers, lettuce, beans, tomatoes, all kinds of stuff designed to grow new nutrient and calorie dense vegetables and fruits to sustain any home at any time. So, and they can be harvested and regrown year after year. You guys know how heirloom seeds work, right? Chaz Chop in Portland didn't. So visit Arc Seed Kits and enter DANA to get your 10% discount code and be on your way to food and economic security, helping you and your family and your community. It's a limited time offer. Visit arcseedkits.com, A-R-K, and order your seed kits and save 10% today. Putin's invasion of Ukraine in March uh, set gas prices soaring literally around the world, not just here, but around the world. And because of the action we've taken since then, gas prices have actually come down going into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve here at home. It's his policies that actually rose the gas prices. It had nothing to do with Putin. The gas prices were rising before Putin decided to invade in February this year. So if you need a little reminder... On Biden's policies, here's a little flashback from when he was on the campaign trail. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in the Biden administration? No, we would would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel. What about, say, stopping fracking and stopping pipeline infrastructure? There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. No more, no new fracking. We are going to get rid of fossil fuels. Have a transition from the oil industry, yes. Hmm. And how well is that going for everybody? Huh. With the gas prices. Putin's price hike? I, you know, it, it, gets, it, gets, it gets frustrating talking about it every day and hearing the same lies day in and day out. It gets incredibly frustrating. And just... To keep track of it, because he takes credit for it when it seemingly goes down. He'll try to take credit for it. But when, you know, you have the price hike, it's, you know, you don't, it just frust- it's frustrating. He went on this bit. First off, welcome to the program, everybody. Uh, your lovable curmudgeon here with you. It is Tuesday. We are days away from election. A lot of stuff to go over with midterms. And I just, I was listening, well, because he came on, like, right when we right when we were off air and I had a bunch of stuff to do post-production and after the program. And he was, while, as he was speaking, 
my whole inner monologue was, why is he doing this? Because we're going into an election. I mean, look, I know the 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 thirty thousand foot answer is because oh, it's because you know they want to they want green, they want to move everything to green. Yeah, that's great. That's not what I'm talking about though. My my point is they're struggling so much in the polls, and the number one like everything is is oil and gas and all of this other stuff and the gas prices and, and supply chain and economy and inflation, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Why do this move right before an election? It's like, it's like this is what you do if you want to lose an election. This isn't a move that you make, a speech that you give, a policy that you lay out if you're trying to win an election and i'm listening to this and he keeps blaming oil and gas and i get it that they're also trying to in part get ahead of they're they're trying to mitigate their losses a bit and they're trying to get ahead of the and make excuses for themselves where it concerns the expectations that voters have about democrats and their responsibility and and actions on gas prices because they 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 don't want you to link those two things people are going to do it anyway they're just trying to mitigate how bad it is at this point so i'm listening to him you know lay this out and he's really going after oil and gas i we i've had i've had headline after headline i'm not going to sit here and regale you with all the headlines about diesel supply etc etc you you've listened to the show you know where where it is it's at an all-time low to say nothing of the spr uh, our strategic petroleum reserve and so you know he's you've you heard the montage of him talking about energy independence that's what he campaigned on to hit for his base but when you're when you're in the middle of a very contested midterm election and you are about to lose the house by an astronomical i mean i'm let me pull this up again i'm looking at the i'm looking at my yeah it is i mean it's anywhere from 12 to 25 seats that's what cook says i think it's going to be up to 25 seats honestly i think it's going to be at full ceiling i'm just i spent a little bit of time yesterday kind of looking at the polls state by state i don't see how it's not a 25 seat pick uh plus 25 pickup for republicans and and had the house even though we're all focused on the senate the house is the power of the purse that that's really if you're going to have something you're going to kind of want to have that you'd, you'd rather have the house you'd rather have bigger numbers in the house than if, if you had to choose obviously you'd love to control everything but my whole point is that this also makes it it's more difficult for the house because they're up for real you know their their terms are shorter why just stupid strategy it is just the dumbest strategy i've ever seen and and you know what it also does it gives fuel to the fire of his critics who say that joe biden's he's not making the you know he's bad at strategy politically he's not making the best decisions and it all goes back to that one obama quote if there's a way for joe to blanket up he will it's it's he's not only this is not just the democrat party up for re-election even though joe biden's not running in a midterm this is joe biden this is joe biden's primary right now his pre-primary i mean it's just pretty just wild and the warning signs are all over the place i had a, another there was another smaller survey that came in and again showing massive amounts of concern for the economy even with independence and it, well particularly with independence i mean we would have to see uh and i was looking at this one analysis 
And this comes by way of the Hill and Real Clear politics, looking at the election map for the House, because the projection is because you have 33 toss ups at this point and the House, you know, you have the I, I mean, there's 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 a huge there's a lot of war, there's a warning sign that Real Clear politics thinks that there could they, they believe that Republicans could actually walk away. And this is what I'm kind of thinking with a 262 seat majority. That's pretty significant. I like Kane's very. Kane turned into a meme. He turned into like the very satisfied nod meme. But you know, I mean, it really, it really could. You have a bunch of toss ups. Most of the toss ups are blue, but most of the toss ups are flippable to uh, Republican. Because you had 28 Democrat seats t- that were classified as toss up, four of them Republican. Man, Democrats got a lot to defend. And they're not doing so well when you look at a number of the seats where they were. A lot of them, you have uh, Arizona, Oregon. Uh, you have uh, a couple, like Georgia, 2nd District. That's kind of a toss-up at Leaning R. Uh, there's just, a, there's just I, like I'm saying, there's, why would you go out? You're, you're President Biden. You're going out and you're just putting another anchor on the neck of all of these candidates. It is just wild. Now, here's the other thing. And I mentioned this a little bit last night when I was on with Jesse Waters. So this is Kathy Hochul. This is the other thing that is really coming back to bite them. Now, we made mention of this on the program just, I think it was yesterday. Audio Soundbite 14. I want you to listen to this. Governor, these are master manipulators. They have this conspiracy going all across America to try and convince people that in democratic states they're not as safe. Well, guess what? They're also not only election deniers, they're data deniers. The data shows that shootings and murders are down in our state by 15%, even in New York City, down 20% on Long Island, where Lee Zeldin comes from. And it's the, it's the, de- it's the Republican states where they have oh, almost no restrictions argument. on guns. So she says, oh, it's the Republican states. Um, this is the this is the problem. It's the Republican states that are doing this. First off, major crime, and I'm going to address that in a minute, or fisk it, rather. Major crime is up 36% in New York just this year alone. Um, I mean, and violent assaults have skyrocketed. Now, you saw a slight, she's exaggerating, it was less than 13%, a slight decrease, and it was mainly in and around Manhattan where you had a, de- a slight decrease in uh in shootings and usually you know this it's a lot of these are gangbangers and it's drug deals it's not you know law-abiding people who just decide to get froggy one day out of the blue but the problem when they when it when it concerns the their statistics on crime one of the things that she said uh as it relates to the red states she kept saying no 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 the 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 problem is red states the problem it's red states manhattan institute back in 2020 did a fantastic study on this because if you look at red states like for instance if you look at st louis st louis is a pretty red state the two cities that drive the crime are kansas city and st louis city in fact the way st louis city is not really because it's separate from the county it's very weird how it's set up which is one of the reasons it takes this the lead as one of the most crime-ridden cities but my whole point is that or crime-ridden areas 
my whole point is that these two cities drive the crime rate the same way that Austin has a massive increase in or uh, they have a they've actually had an increase in crime. Austin, Houston, major cities drive the crime rate. When you look in in fact they looked at Louisiana in 2019 specifically and they were looking at the top the three states in New, in in Louisiana that were driving the crime according to FBI's uniform crime report uh, available 2019. And they said that the state saw 544 murders. So that murder rate was 11.7 per 100,000. They said that same year, New Orleans saw 121 of those murders. Baton Rouge had 70 of those murders. Shreveport had 35. All of these cities had something in common. That it was historically Democrat administration. All had Democrat mayors, Democrat city councils, Democrat appointed police chief, which is different from a sheriff who was elected. The collective population of 802,702, those three cities had a much higher 2019 murder rate of 28.1 per 100,000. Now, you take away those three cities as major drivers of crime in Louisiana, and what happens? Our murder rate, that murder rate dropped by about 30% to 8.3 per 100,000. The same thing goes with Mississippi. The same thing goes with every single state in the union not just red states and furthermore they actually came back and did a secondary deep dive on this areas that counties particularly and this is from uh this is from the manhattan institute report on the spike in homicide that was published early 2020 counties that had a higher share of gop voters not only have lower homicide rates but also lower growth in homicide rates between 2019 and 2020 specifically and so part of those reasons, and I think the big reason, is the, the restorative justice, the decarceration, and the, the lack of, of police support and the reallocation of funds for police via defunding. So for Kathy Hochul to come out there and say, oh, no, no, no. She's, first off, she's a complete data denier herself. And I think it's interesting that the other person running for governor is a total election denier, Stacey Abrams, but I digress. She's a data denier. These are hard figures that that come from, I mean, you can look at New York as well. You take out New York State's major metropolitan areas, their crime rate plummets. When you look at who who historically administers, who governs their, their major metropolitan areas, again, it's historically Democrat. Democrats push restorative justice, which means fewer penalties, which means for lessened sentencing. It means for shorter prison times. It means for wrist slaps. They also have a higher recidivism rate. That was something that I went separately from the Manhattan Institute and went and looked at last night. All of these areas that have the drivers of crime, all of them have sky high recidivism rates, which goes to show you, which dovetails into what the uh, police in Chicago said. It is the same group of violent offenders who continue to reoffend, but it's the restorative justice that slaps them on the wrist every single time. And when you look at New York, their murder rates are actually already on the rise. And this is a direct response to their bail reform, which they had to hurriedly go up and, and go back and try to change. She's high as a kite. Maybe she's on the same rocks that Hunter Biden's on. But to tell everyone that they're conspiracy theorists because they're seeing the crime increase right in front of their own eyes is an insult to voters.
Caltech Innovation is back to back. You've heard me talk about Caltech's P50 pistol. Now here comes the new 9mm P15 carry pistol. Quality engineered, the 9mm P15 carry pistol is the lightest, thinnest of its kind in Caltech's first striker fire handgun. And as another first, the P15s feature a totally unique patent pending 15 round extended magazine. Now, other features include ambidextrous grip, safety, reversible mag release, and the hybrid fiber optic night sights with full. Fully adjustable rear. That all comes standard. It's from Keltec, inventors of subcompact polymer and now metal handguns. The P15's gator grip texture on the polymer version increases stability and makes for easy, accurate handling, while the all-metal version offers comfortable but positive traction and a really beautiful wood grip panel. The P15 is the dependable firepower you need to secure your world. See the new 9mm P15 first up close and personal at KeltecWeapons.com. That's K-E-L-T-E-C Weapons.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So, this is apparently happening today. I got really excited, but I guess I guess it's uh, millions of miles. 1.4 million miles is pretty far away. So, a huge asteroid the size of the Burj Khalifa building. So, if you have Apple TV, it's that one tall, weird building in the middle of the desert uh, out there. And they and in, in Dubai, it this the asteroid. It's called 2022 RM4. They say it could come, and this is like a close estimate. Within 1.4 million miles of Earth on Tuesday, it has a diameter of up to 2,400 feet, nearly as big, nearly as big as the Burj Khalifa in in Dubai. It's going to tra- be traveling at over 52,000 miles per hour, 65 times the speed of sound. Sadly, it is not smod. So it's going to fly right on by, not even like say hi, not even wave or nothing. So, you know, go ahead and be like that asteroid. Go on. Recycling plastic is over. Can I be honest with you? I don't give a rat's ass about recycling. Is that bad? Like, I just, there's like so many other things to do. do can you show me what the recycling's going to other than like, oh, look, a, the fashion accessory or something? Cane? I mean, has it made that much of a difference in your life? In my neighborhood, it's a, it's a requirement that I have a separate can yeah. for recycling and a separate can yeah. for this trash. So I am, I'm doing it every week. And you want to know what's funny? The Boston Globe reports of the 51 million tons of it, of plastic waste that the that U.S. households generate just in 2021 alone, 2.4, actually almost 2.5 million tons of it, 5%. Only that much was recycled. Only 5% was recycled. It's a myth. It's all shipped overseas to poor countries for them to deal with. I'm not I'm not even kidding you. It's all an actual thing. Cause so we have like incinerators and stuff that burn up plastics just fine right here in the US of A. That sounds like a great business opportunity, by the way. I would love to open something big and fiery that I could burn things in. And I would be doing my planet a service. And just think of the energy that I could generate from that, that I could like capture and use to heat homes. I'm just saying, why don't we think like this? Like me. Thank you. All right, China apparently is, uh, U.S. is deploying nuclear-capable B-52s to Australia as tensions with China grow. They had their Comic-Con. And picking your nose, in addition to being totally nasty, is also maybe could raise dementia. I don't even know how. I don't even care to look at the study. I just think it's so gross that that's like a factor. Stop it. Stick with us.
rights, immigration, foreign policy, and marriage. Folks, these subjects are a big part of political dialogue today, and we talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. Right now, my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So what are you waiting for? The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Visit DanaForHillsdale.com to watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation, and sign up for this new, completely free online course. That's DanaForHillsdale.com. DanaForHillsdale.com. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. No, I, I just do. I, I think that it, that simply is also, Leah, yeah, let's talk about the trillions in, in massive tax uh, or tax uh, cuts to the corporate uh, tax structure as well. True. You know, trillions of dollars that have added to the deficit. And and now they still want to support those as well. True. I think in terms of being very serious about uh, addressing inflation is is making sure that those rates are brought back into a line with what they, they should have been, uh, where they're able to uh, fight uh, the, 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 the deficit. He was asked one question on inflation by Don Lemon, of all people, by Steve Lime. No, I'm kidding. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. I mean, it's one question. He was asked one question. And even, I just, I have a feeling that he wouldn't even understand what it was regardless of his situation recovering from his stroke. He was asked, what do you think the biggest cause of inflation is? Let me read you the transcript since, you know, this is a short answer. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash with you. Fetterman goes, when he was asked by Don Lemon, what do you think the biggest, biggest cause of inflation is? Fetterman says, I think that simply is also where, ellipses, let's talk about the trillions in, in massive tax or uh, tax uh, cuts to the corporate uh, tax structure as well true. Those transcripts or something. It sounds like a bot that watched, you know, 50 hours of Pennsylvania politics senate race politics and decided to write its own answer it's like the olive garden joke when you're here you're here infinite stick i mean he's totally fine guys guys it's not i mean did they interesting how the camera was no longer on don lemon because you know why he cannot hide his expressions he cannot, you knew, you know his face was all going, what in the world? But that was, you know, that was Futterman addressing inflation. Yeah, it's, uh, I think simply is also where let's talk about the trillions in uh, massive tax or a tax uh, courts cuts to the corporate tax structure as well true. Such as maps. <laughs> Look, you're running for the Senate. 
Yeah, people can ask this question. They can ask these things of you. I mean, they have every right. They have their, it's our voters' jobs to do this. You know that, right? I mean, it's the voters' jobs to ask this stuff. We have every right to ask it and be like, are you really ready to do this? Are you, though? I just We've got some questions. You know what gets me? This DHS piece that ran yesterday, I sent it out in your email prep, where you have, and it was from The Intercept, Leaked documents outlining Department of Homeland Security's plans to dis to, to police disinformation. I got to tell you, the left is freaking out because Lee Fang, one of the co-authors of the piece, went on Tucker Carlson's show last night. And I made I had an observance about this earlier on Twitter. I find Lee, Lee Fang's character arc fascinating. You guys know how he started, right? He was a smear merchant with Think Progress. He went after everybody in the Tea Party. They were all Nazi racists. That was Lee Fang. I mean, Tea Party conservatives got, I used to write pieces, hit pieces back at him when I was working with Andrew Breitbart. Lee Fang went after conservatives and used to go after Tea Party folks. And now, who would have thought that 11 years later, 10 years later, he would be now saying a lot of the stuff that it sounds like we said back in the day. I'm just saying. Yeah, real wild, isn't it? So now he's, he's questioning a lot of the disinformation. Very interesting. Now, here's the other thing about this. You have two dudes who clearly, and it's not to say, please don't, I don't, I don't want the right to get all excited and be like, Lee Fang is, he's like James O'Keefe. He's not. Stop. I'm all for, though, finding agreement common ground where it exists but i think it's hysterical that progressives are livid that he went on tucker carlson they think that that alone discredits the piece that the intercept published now you heard what i just said i'm like oh i'm all about finding common ground where i can find it i don't have a problem with that because i'm not i'm an ideologue i'm not you know all about politics i'm i'm more ideological than i am political they, the, all of the headlines that I have seen about this DHS story this morning, and really even since yesterday evening, have been people freaking out, and by people I mean progressives, angry that he went on Tucker Carlson's show to talk about this. It is legit. This story should be a reporter's dream to talk about. You have the Department of Homeland Security trying to engage in censorship that's let's just call it what it is it's censorship they are trying to control what you say anything that would bring you to question the narrative anything that any kind of conversation wherein you are whether it's sharing disagreement or opposition with regards to something related to the injections or face masks or pronouns or whatever, they would like to control it. And the media is more mad that one of the guys who co-authored the piece went on Tucker Carlson than the fact that this is actually happening within our government. There has, there have, there are years of internal DHS memos and emails and documents there's a lawsuit that's going on some of the stuff has been through discovery from the lawsuit some of it's been leaked 
there has been a massive secret government effort to influence tech platforms to control speech. Everything that we have said about the government trying to use these social media platforms as agents of state is happening. And so shaping online discourse, they've had meeting minutes. And a lot of this, this has been a lawsuit filed by Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, who is also in the lead running for Senate in Missouri. And this is, I mean, this is, it came from his suit. So you remember the, the disinformation governance board that was led by, she's probably a meta user. I don't even remember her name. That creepy theater chick. Like, I don't like it. I don't mind if you like theater, but if you like theater to the extent where you're recording videos of yourself in your office singing, the, you know, like musicals, you're a weirdo. I just got to tell you. She was a weirdo, right? You remember her name? What's her face? No, that's the that's the 50-something-year-old Washington Post reporter that presents oh, herself as a 25-year-old. Who? No, 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 no. That's no, this the lady who was the lady who was in government and she worked in government already in the Biden. I don't remind me her name. I'm like totally doing this for theater. I just don't care. Not theater like they do. I really don't care what her name was. She was creepy though. Y'all remember. Red lipstick McCrazy face, her. They had that disinformation governance board that she was going to lead. And then all of this stuff about her came out and they decided that they were going to uh, just they were going to just not do the board after all. Well, they're still doing the work of the board. They just don't have the board. So they were targeting inaccurate information on everything not just related to the pandemic. So before you go, well, were they trying to do it for the pit? No, 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 no. They were even doing it as it related to Afghanistan and our withdrawal from Afghanistan. Response to riots, everything. Facebook, you know, the place where your family argues poorly about politics in the comments. They created a special portal for DHS and government partners to report disinformation directly. I got to tell you, I'm of two minds of this. The first Part of me, and this is the super cynical part of me, is so in awe of the pettiness of the progressives in our government. Absolute pettiness. Who has the energy to want to control and monitor what everybody says all of the time? If I have to put on fake eyelashes to do a fox hit, I'm tired. I can't imagine having to do this level of petty nonsense day in and day out. Oh, what did someone say on Facebook? I don't like what someone said about how we exited Afghanistan on the Facebooks. I guess I'm going to slap a warning label on them. And then the warning label is something stupid. That's the thing. The fact checkers are always dumber than, than you give them credit for. I had said, for instance, that Pfizer admitted that they didn't do any kind of testing as to whether or not their injections prevented transmission. And Facebook fact checker was like, this is inaccurate. They didn't do any testing in the trials to, te- to measure whether or not it, it prevented transmission. And I'm like, wait, that's literally what I said, you, you cousin-loving morons. That's exactly what I said. Of course, these are the people doing the metaverse. 
I saw a video where there was a DJ doing something in the metaverse, and it made me cringe so hard. I died, and on break, they had to break out the paddles, bring me back to life, and I almost died again. So they have a portal where the government can go and snitch, and they spy on you. Basically, it's like a hole in the wall of your Facebook page, and they peer at you like pervs through the hole in the wall on your Facebook page. What are you saying right there? Oh, she's writing about recipes. Oh, she shared a Gen X meme. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got something. Someone just shared a Hunter Biden story. Fun fact. My husband had his account on Instagram temporarily suspended yesterday because I posted a photo with my new dog, which was, it was a joke. It was the werewolf that was in the studio. And someone's like, oh, it looks like you're hugging him. And Chris says joking, like, I'm going to kill him. And Captain Underpants and the defenders of Instagram decide to descend from the ceiling and suspend temporarily his account because of what he said in to comments. Who does this? So in March, back in March, and this is one of the things that The Intercept showed, Laura Demlo, she's an FBI official. She was, oh, now I want you to remember her name because we're going to be talking about her here more. Laura Demlo was warning that the threat of subversive information on social media could undermine support for the U.S. government. You know, can I just... Uh, you shouldn't care. about if, if you are running a good government, if it's actually by and for and of the people, it doesn't matter what someone tries to do in terms of influence on social media. Isn't it an admittance of failure on your part? When you have to go out and police conversations that other people are having because your policies aren't enough to keep them in favor, right? So Dimlo apparently was one of those people that I guess had access to that porter, portal. And she said, we need a media infrastructure that's held accountable. Huh. Now, at the same time, Twitter was telling The Intercept, no, we don't coordinate with other people. Liars. We, don't, we independently evaluate content in keeping with Twitter rules. Liars. There isn't a formalized portal. What do you mean there's no, wait, there's no portal? Liars. Now, this Laura Dumlo lady, you want to know who is behind pushing suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story? It was a one Laura Dumlo. Interesting, isn't that? So DHS wasn't really concerned about fighting mis- disinformation. This had nothing to do with disinformation. It had, they wanted to control criticism. That's all this was. And so they have their, there's a lot of receipts in this piece. And that's the other thing. The government has never actually defined what disinformation is. And and that would be detrimental to their effort. If you can't define it, then you can't be questioned on how you're enforcing it. It could be a number of things. It's actually just disagreement. How it is practically defined is by what they target. Anything that they don't like. Anything that presents any kind of threat to Democrat influence is classified as disinformation. That's what it really truly is. And their whole point is to chill speech from anyone who would who would dare criticize. And so it makes this very, very, they have a very broad application because when you can't and refuse to for advantageous reasons to define what it is, what is the disinformation that you're looking to counter, well, then you can really easily, more easily make very politically uh, motivated moves. 
anything can be considered dangerous speech when you don't have a definition as to what it is exactly. I love it how they, we're going to protect Americans from what? A meme? Jeez, these people. Honestly, we're becoming dumber, dumber, dumber by the, by the week. We have a lot more on the way because I, this story, there's a ton with this story. And in addition to that, we've got some midterm updates for you. we got some other stuff as well. Dana Lash here for ARC Seeds. There's a growing sense of instability and uncertainty. Gas, housing, everyday items are way up. Uh, food prices have the nation reeling. The ability to grow your own healthy food is on almost everybody's mind. So this is why I want to tell you about ARC Seed Kits. You can visit ARC, A-R-K, ARCSeedKits.com and enter code Dana to receive 10% off. Now, ARC Seed Kits, it's a non-GMO seed company it's family owned and they provide heirloom seeds for across the nation for over 13 years they want to make sure every home in america has the ability to grow and harvest its own food and these are the highest quality heirloom seeds they arrive in a sustainable container offering long-term and short-term storage and they also bring seed saving knowledge and food preparedness to you in your community you can get seeds for vegetables and herbs they have 50,000 organically grown seeds in each kit We're talking corn water Watermelon, cucumbers, lettuce, beans, tomatoes, all kinds of stuff. Designed to grow nutrient and calorie dense vegetables and fruits to sustain any home at any time. So, and they can be harvested and regrown year after year. You guys know how heirloom seeds work, right? Chaz Chop in Portland didn't. So visit Arc Seed Kits and enter Dana to get your 10% discount code and be on your way to food and economic security, helping you and your family and your community. It's a limited time offer. Visit arcseedkits.com, A-R-K, and order your seed kits and save 10% today. Red meat, black coffee, truth telling. The Dana Show. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter over at Substack. It's called Chapter and Verse, and a lot of good stuff goes out there, including I had a piece yesterday. No, there's not going to be any kind of pandemic amnesty. So don't. Don't even. Don't even. I have a couple of other things that I want to make sure that we get to before. So some of the latest with the, let's see, we have tech uh, the tech control, I've got some midterm stuff and we have uh, some things about the economy as well. But as it relates to tech, so apparently Musk brought 50 Tesla employees to Twitter to look at their I, the back end, essentially, the algorithms and, and how things are working. And it, uh, which I would do, too, if I had access to that kind of talent, I would be absolutely bringing them in to look at this, to look at this stuff. And Twitter has limited their content enforcement tools ahead of U.S. elections. He froze apparently some access to moderation tools. Now, I, I, I'm excited that things are changing. However, there's still a couple of things that I, I do have concerns about because one of the guys that he was kind of defending was this, he was this guy named Yoel Roth, head of safety and integrity at Twitter. And as my friend Sean Davis has noted, Yoel Roth is one of the guys that called us all racists and Nazis and mocked where flyover nation people lived and where people were from and oversaw the shadow banning of everybody's accounts and engineered the censorship of our very own elected leaders. And so I don't trust this guy. And Musk can, Musk can say that he thinks he's a nice guy. Of course, Yoel Roth is going to try to make nice with the new boss because he doesn't want to lose his job, too. We have second hour on the way. We're also going to talk to one of our friends over at Babylon B. They actually filed an amicus brief to go against satire, which is pretty satirically funny. We'll talk about that more. Stick with us.
If you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they're winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Visit patriotmobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation using offer code Dana. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement, make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. Patriotmobile.com slash Dana. That's patriotmobile.com slash Dana, 972-PATRIOT. American people are going to judge who's standing with them and who is only looking out for their own bottom line. I know where I stand, and I want to let you, I'm going to hear more from me about this when the Congress gets back. Thank you all very, very much. What is that supposed to mean? Welcome back to the program. Second hour of the show. Dana Lash here with you. What is that supposed to mean? Joe Biden's very weird Fetterman-esque statement. Well, you know, I know where I stand, and I know where they stand, and we're all standing to stand. Not really that, but I, I don't even know what it means. It's coming up on midterm elections, which is next week. It's very quick. It's, got, it's gotten here very fast. And I think he's like, well, when Congress gets back. Yeah, because you're not going to have a majority. You're going to be lame duck, dude. It's gonna, you're going to have a lame duck presidency. It's really hard to run for a successful term after that. Really, really difficult. And so... I wanted to give you some midterm updates, and then we're going to get into some of this other stuff, particularly this DHS thing, which I think is one of the biggest stories in the country, and it should be. But everybody's mad because they're trying to focus on the personalities involved and doing everything that they can to distract from the fact that our government has been working to use social media platforms as agents of the state. That's a terrifying thing when you think of it. So with some of the midterm updates the nevada senate race is locked in a dead heat according to a new new york times siena college poll released just a week before election day 47 percent each for adam laxalt and the democrat contender and so they were also nearly tied in favorability according i haven't broken down the cross tabs or anything of this but i'm just sharing with you what the polling said it was 40 they said 48 percent of nevada voters surveyed said they want a republican con- controlled congress 44 percent said they want a democratic one because they're crazy i don't know but they said here's the other thing 51 percent of nevada though these are likely voters not registered voters so it's not as you can't take it to the bank as much as you could with a registered voter survey but they said the economy is a major concern duh social issues aren't even up there and so they, they looked at the, the high margin of error over four points, and it was under 900 likely voters in Nevada. But that's it's pretty, it's, it, to me, that means, I don't know, I think Laxalt, I'm, I feel confident about Nevada, but everybody needs to get out and vote. You do not want to even have, you want the turnout to be such that it suffocates any shenanigans. Now, the other in Arizona, listen to this. So I saw this in the New York Times this morning. This is pretty telling. The Libertarian candidate dropped out of the Arizona Senate race and endorsed Blake Masters. 
they had been splitting the polls uh, poll a little bit and I, I was I'm actually happy that this happened and I think this was a smart move because it's Blake Masters going up against Mark Kelly and it's a close enough race where this could actually shift some things Mark Victor it had a conversation with Masters and said that he made uh, Victor had made such a conversation a precondition to quitting offering an opportunity to Masters and Kelly he said uh, that Blake was more supportive Blake Masters was more support. Well, yeah, because he's a limited government guy. What did you think? Uh-huh. I mean, you don't call yourself a libertarian and then go for Mr. Gun Control, higher taxes. Okay, you can't be doing that. And so I think that's um, I, I thought that was that was great. So Blake Masters is going to get a libertarian boost because everybody's kind of forming together to make a coalition to do what it takes in order to stop this Democrat lock on the Senate. And to to break it. And this is this is a really this is a good move. And so and cool on Victor for doing this, too, because not a lot of people, a lot of people are too egotistical to do this. A lot of people stay in it because they want to hurt the Republican candidate. In many instances, they're Democrats that are really running or they've got backing from Democrats to run. They're doing it for favors or whatever. But for Victor to do this, I thought was really cool coming together at, at, at a time when it's all needed. It is very much needed. And so, but it is interesting though, because he was, Victor did get a lot of money from Democrats. They were, they were really bolstering his campaign. I was looking at the, I was looking at who the donations were coming from. Uh, New York Times notes one, Save Democracy Pack, but there's a bunch of other ones like Defeat Republicans and all kinds of other very, very far left packs. They were really hoping to float that race because they wanted to suck away those votes from uh, Blake Masters. And so Victor's refusing to be a part of it. So he gets out and he's 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 getting behind Blake Masters. So that's huge. That's very cool. Mark Victor, the libertarian candidate in Arizona who did something that a lot of politicians don't do. And get got out and backed uh backed Blake Masters. So that was very good. Now, another new bad poll. This is from Washington Examiner for Democrats. Uh Whitmer does have a big lead. And I think that she'll probably, which is weird to me, is what it is. Uh, she does have a, a, a significant lead in that. And apparently, uh, Dr. Oz got a, an endorsement from Fetterman's own hometown newspaper. <laughs> they, endorsed, they endorsed Oz over Fetterman. Whew, it's pretty hardcore. Now, Gretchen Whitmer's leading Tudor Dixon amongst likely voters. It's a 51 to 43% spread. Now, Dixon's gaining ground. Uh, she doesn't have as much of a lead, but she has a pretty healthy lead. And that's Obama was in uh, Michigan. I think he was in Michigan to help Gretchen Whitmer because I think that they're eyeing Gretchen, they're grooming Gretchen Whitmer as a potential. Maybe like a VP for 2024 or something. Because I just can't imagine that they're going to run with uh, Harris and Biden again. Harris has been so completely underwhelming, even to Democrats. And Biden, I mean, he can't even get the factions on the Democrat side together. But keep an eye on Gretchen Whitmer because they're, the fact that Democrats are working overtime to protect her when she's as nuts as she is, and you had a government-hatched plot to that they, where they tried to invent this thing about kidnapping her and it was led and organized by an FBI agent, all that came out. That's, not, that's indisputable, by the way. You can, you can sit here and talk about conspiracy theories all day long, but there's receipts with that one, folks. So I think they're really working. I think they're working overtime to protect her. And that to me signals that they've got plans for her beyond Michigan. 
And that's why Barack Obama was dispatched up to Michigan to make sure she has a big enough lead. If she only is a couple of points ahead of Tudor Dixon, you know, if she like barely squeaks by, Democrats are going to have a hard enough, hard time making the case for her for wealthy donors on the left for them to bankroll a, a potential VP bid or presidential campaign for her. But keep Democrats are putting they're putting Gretchen Whitmer on the bench. That's why she won't go away. And they and that's why they've really put a lot of a lot of uh, resources into that race. So they they got an eye on her. I think in some instances they've got an eye on Mark Kelly as well, down in Arizona. But Blake Masters now looks like he could take care of that with the help of Mark Victor. So that was that was pretty smart. Uh, also, a couple of other things I want to make sure that we hit uh, the this. Let me pull this up. This is a new poll. This comes out of Texas. Remember when they said Beto O'Rourke? It was some Democrat in the Hill who said this. Said that Beto O'Rourke was the closer. Hmm. Well, a new poll. And this says uh, University of Houston shows Greg Abbott leading by a plus 13 spread. And it's uh, really bad news for Robert O'Rourke, who, by the way, his own father told Dallas Morning News some years ago that they nicknamed him Beto so that they could appeal to Hispanic voters should his son, who's never worked a day in the private sector, ever decide to take that nepotism to a higher level beyond playing as a furry and drunk driving. So the and uh, and looking at this, this is uh, I was looking at some of the, the info on this. These it's kind of I mean, polling is always kind of, I think, a Rorschach test to some level. But Abbott has been leading this race from the get go. But what have I told you, though, over and over again? This isn't in many instances. It's not about Democrats with the expectation to win. Democrats are willing to chip away at leads in various elections to the point where there is an election where they're not trailing by 13, they're leading by 13, and they are going, they will play the long game on this. This is what Republicans do not do. They seed the ground, they get you familiar with their with their talking points. And they've really been focusing on areas in Texas, particularly where you've had a lot of California people move in. Um, A lot of people say, oh, there's conservatives from California moving in. Yeah, but when you look at the numbers, particularly people who've been moving into my county in Texas, for instance, which is one of the most conservative counties in the in the state. uh, Those are a lot of Democrat voters coming in from California. And they've been trying to flip this county. It's like the conservative jewel of the Republic of Texas. So they've been trying to flip it. Now, in this they were looking at likely voters. So again, it's likely voters more so than it's not as not it's better than just generally general voters. Uh, it's better than just respondents, but it's you know registered voters is where it's at. But they looked at likely voters. Women were plus five, a little over. They were or sorry, uh, men were plus. Uh, women were plus uh, ten in this. So it's a little oversampled, and you got to take that into consideration as well. You also have to take in some of the generational stuff too. Uh, there was uh, there was a. a bigger double percentage of uh, boomers so you have 46 to 25 of gen x and the reason i bring this up is because gen x and i think in texas as well they seem particularly conservative gen x does because we're used to being left alone now the uh what's funny is that uh, robert or works most vocal policy issues are pot and gay issues apparently nobody cares about that in texas nobody cares but that's what he's talked about a lot with this so he's 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 getting he's getting beats 53 to 40 currently 
and that's this University of Houston poll. Dan Patrick is doing well, 51 to 36. It's not even a discussion. And Ken Paxton's 49 to 37 with the Democrat challenger. So that's the way it looks. They're, uh, he's not the, but, that, but to tell you, that still doesn't mean that you sit back and take it easy. Uh, because it, it comes down to you want to make sure that, that they're not making any grounds. What I'm going to be looking at come election night is I'm going to be comparing the voter turnout, the, reg- the registered Democrats voter turnout and enthusiasm from this election and the most conservative counties in Texas. And I'll be comparing this back to uh, 2018 and uh, even going you know, and, and looking at 2010, uh, 2020 as well in 2016. So very, you, very important that you, you, you mitigate the ground that they're gaining there. And so that's some of the stuff for midterms. Uh, looking at just some of the latest, and you're going to see these polling. A lot of the polling is going to start. Some of these are already the final ones before the election. Now, a couple of other things to get into. I wrote a piece yesterday, No Pandemic Amnesty, in response to this piece that was over at The Atlantic that didn't want to take any at all whatsoever uh, responsibility or accountability. You don't need, we don't need, we need, we need a reckoning, not Uh, And not a pandemic amnesty. There's not going to be pandemic amnesty. And I get really aggravated, especially when I see some of the people calling for it are the people who were mocking those who questioned anti who questioned vaccine, who questioned the injections. You know, I you, you can't tell people that who were forced into their homes, people who were forced to connect through screens instead of faces. You can't tell people to forget their isolation and to forget their loneliness that they forced upon our kids. You can't. You can't tell us to forget about how you took our tax dollars for services not rendered and then pretended to be generous as you extended a fraction of what of our own money back to us as some quote unquote paycheck paycheck protection. It was a bribe to make us forget that you shut down our factories and our storefronts and we're supposed to forget how you turned our families and friends against each other by warping their minds with fear. And they always say, oh, we were dealing with the unknown, but you really weren't because you knew about natural immunity and you knew about mask and effectiveness and you knew that kids nor schools were super spreaders. But even as these as these revelations were developed and realized, they lied about it anyway. And they tried to enforce us to inject our kids most recently with the child immunization schedule. And they tried to control our speech on television, radio and Internet, as I've highlighted with the Intercept piece. So no, your lone act of contrition, the whole we need to learn from our mistakes and let them go. No, forgiveness isn't to the exclusion of penalty and people have every right to be enraged. In fact, they have a duty to be so to prevent this from happening again. So hell no, we don't need a pandemic amnesty. We need a reckoning. You know, sometimes you can't depend on big media organizations to cover all of the important news of the day. I'm Byron York from The Byron York Show. In my latest episodes, I discuss how this historic political divide we're in has Democrats pulling all sorts of last-minute stunts to get votes before the midterm elections. Download and subscribe to my daily podcast. I don't talk about every single story of the day, just the ones you need to know the most. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. According to the Washington Post, the sun was smiling in a NASA photo. It looks, you remember the baby weird smile that the Marshmallow Stay Puff man made in Ghostbusters? So it's kind of like this. It's like a happy little fat-based sun photo, but there's uh, something dark here. It could be a warning for Earth, because nothing can be happy. It turns out that if you thought that the sun was smiling or if the sun is looks like it's smiling, apparently it could be 
some sort of, I don't know, aurora sighting that could signal problems for the planet's telecommunication system. I don't know. They said it's a trio of solar activity patches that make up the face. But because they're in the ultraviolet spectrum, they can't be seen with the human eyes. So they said that that's probably what it looks like. It's like these these holes that aren't just their, their high magnetic field activity sending solar wind, a flow of protons, electrons, and other particles into the universe. So bad. Huh. The Italian mansion, apparently uh, Benito Mussolini's former mansion is haunted by his ghost. <laughs> they, they're claiming, so it's il spooky. The, uh, that was bad, I'm not gonna lie, that was really bad. Uh, the visitors to Via Carpena can see a shadowy image of the face of Mussolini frozen into a mirror on the property, and they may hear ghostly footsteps. Just talk about how much fascism sucks, and I think you're gonna be okay. Uh, also, a couple, <laughs> couple of other ones. I don't like this at all. This is a chilling AI problem. I'm not even gonna say development, it's a problem. AI apparently can now talk to animals. They're humans because people hate us. Humans hate humankind. They are trying to develop, make new, make uh, AI well, a step closer to talking to animals with several different species. Apparently, honeybees, dolphins, and elephants. Babylon bees next. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. I love the Ramones. Where would we be without parody and actually good punk bands? Interestingly enough, welcome back to the program. Your lovable curmudgeon here, Dana Lash. That song that they did was a parody of a Beatles track. Be- the Beatles, it was on their album Help. You're going to lose that girl. And the Ramones did a parody of it. Uh, You're going to kill that girl. <laughs> That's what it was called. So they'd probably get sued today. I don't know. I don't know. Paul McCartney and Ringo seem pretty cool. So maybe they wouldn't. Uh, welcome back. As I said, here we are at the bottom of our second hour this Tuesday. And here in just a minute, when I get the all clear, we're going to have our friend Kyle Mann, who's the editor-in-chief of Babylon Bee. His mic is haunted. Uh, he actually has a haunted microphone. And so we've had a little bit of technical difficulties because of a ghost. I'm maybe joking or not. I don't know. But let me set this up for you. Let me tell you what we're going to be talking about. So he's so Babylon Bee, everybody knows. They've been suspended how many? 11 umpteen times? On social media platforms, there's this case that is that people are trying to petition to have the Supreme Court here. It's called Novak versus City of Parma. And it centers around this guy named Anthony Novak, who had this Facebook page. It was pretty funny that parodied the Parma Police Department's page. And I've seen things like this before where you have parody pages. There was one recently that parodied this like grocery store chain in the north and the southeast. And so what ended up happening is this whole case went to court uh, and he got sued. And so now he's fighting for parody, which a lot of people have filed these amicus briefs in defense of Anthony Novak's position in defense of parody, hoping that the Supreme Court hears it. What I saw the other day, so the Babylon Bee had filed an amicus brief in support of you know parody, but then they also wrote one, which I don't think was filed, but that would have been hysterical had it been filed. I, in fact, I kind of want them to. They wrote a whole brief on arguing against their position, which is hysterical. And so Kyle Mann, who is the editor-in-chief 
of the Babylon Bee itself joins us now. And he's now he's got his headphones on, but he's got his phone out because we're just assuming that his mic is haunted or Twitter's extending its control like fetish to his microphone. So Kyle, always good to have you. I love the shirt, by the way. Thin Lizzy is a fantastic band. Welcome to the program. Oh, yeah. Thin Lizzy, Live and Dangerous, classic record. Love it. Uh, yeah, so we filed this brief uh, with the Supreme Court, obviously supporting Mr. Novak and yeah. his uh, fight against the police department and his fight for the right to parody something. <laughs> right, which is um, weird that because people are, is it just that we've gotten too stupid as a species that other people can't, they don't know what parody is anymore? I mean, how did this, because we used to never have these problems. I mean, it's very clear. Well, you know, The Onion filed a brief in this case also, and it was pretty funny. And one of the points that they made is parody isn't any less defended, defensible under the First Amendment if people get confused by it. In fact, that's one of the things that makes satire work. I mean, you go all the way back to Jonathan Swift and A Modest Proposal, and that's part of what makes it so shocking and effective is that people read it and go, Oh, this guy's actually arguing in favor of eating Irish babies. You know, <laughs> that's part of the shock effect that makes it work. And so the, so it doesn't matter if, if some grandmas on Facebook thought that this was a real parody, right. uh, a real police department page. Um, that's part it, of yeah. what makes the parody work. There's always some truth in humor. That's why it works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially in satire, because that's, you know, that's the grand truth. That's the most common comment you get, you know, like, this is so true. It's funny because it's true. Uh, but yeah. as you mentioned, we we wrote a satirical brief as well as a real one that we filed. We wanted to file a satirical brief, but apparently it's hysterical. that would get Can I just tell people, like, your, your first <laughs> argument is, when the First Amendment was written, jokes hadn't been invented yet. And it, <laughs> it's it's... It, it like when when satire criticizes those in power, it makes them sad. These are true things, and it's also hysterical. I is there any chance? I mean, I think it would be pretty. That brave is not the word. Like it would be very I, I'd be hysterical if you filed it. I mean, obviously, I understand why you wouldn't. But your first one, the one that you did file, your amicus brief was very was very humorous. But this is it's. I mean, it's just in true Babylon B style. That like we can never really truly enjoy our freedoms as Americans if we know that someone somewhere might be making fun of us. That's a great. That's a favorite. Are you going to yeah, file this one? We, we can't. It's there. There's a lot of issues with trying to file it. That was our first goal was to actually file this satirical <laughs> brief on the wrong side. Was. But you you have to get the uh, you have to get the respondent or the other side to agree to it. And then right. even if we could trick them into thinking we were on their side and getting it filed, we could be like in breach of all kinds of rules <laughs> of the court for, uh, for filing this. So we decided that we didn't want to go to jail for this great joke. <laughs> but it, it would have been, man, that would have been a great stunt. We're talking with our friend Kyle Mann, editor-in-chief of Babylon Bee. Have you, and I wanted to ask you too, because, I mean, you guys are a great satire site. You also were suspended, if I'm remembering correctly, on Twitter over the pronoun issue. Did you ever regain the, the ability to use your account yet? Or are they? is it one of those things where you have to delete a tweet, bend the knee, so to speak, digitally, in order to be able to have your account function again? Yeah, we were never technically banned. It was always we were locked out of the account until we did the, like, acknowledge the hateful conduct policy and click delete. Um, so we're still not into our account because we still haven't deleted that tweet. 
Yeah. Yeah, because it makes sense why you wouldn't. I mean, that's it's that itself, that by itself, I think is 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 parody. You also have a great piece up the ten most controversial things you can finally say on Twitter. Um, and the fun again, just going back to what you were saying, there's always some truth in it. Like for instance, rings of power isn't that good. I've never seen people so at each other's throats, especially on the right, than this discussion. I'm almost like terrified to bring it up with you now. But that right there is exactly what I, that's it, because people run away from this conversation. There's a shred of truth in it. Or candy corn tastes like earwax. Your booze mean nothing. I think that candy corn is an amazing Halloween candy. And I've been ratioed to the nth degree for saying this. But it's true, though. But I love this. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. Is it ever going to be free, free like it was being unconcerned about saying things that are actually true but may hurt someone's feelings because they're too sensitive. Can you ever, like, close that Pandora's box? Can you ever go back? Are people so fed up that you actually can go back to how it used to be? I don't know. I mean, it does feel like there's kind of a healthy backlash and reaction to how sensitive everything has gotten. Um, you, you even have comedians on the left who are starting to say unpopular things on their side um, because it's just Comedy is so boring if you're only able to say the things that uh, your side wants you to say, you know, if mm-hmm. you're only able to make fun of the right, if you're a leftist comedian or whatever. So you're, you start to want to poke at your own audience. You know, you start to want to say the things that people don't want you to. That's that's kind of the heart of a comedian is always to toe that line and, and even fall over that line sometimes and go and, and, and go a little too far. Do the thing that people uh, don't think that you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. There's some of these I want to test. Like, I want to just test and see if I get suspended for telling someone to learn to code. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I kind of want to push those boundaries. We're talking with Kyle Mann, editor-in-chief of the Babylon Bee. Uh, and originally, we were talking about this amicus brief in support of parody rights. Uh, I wanted to get your take, too, on uh, this, this story that came out uh, with DHS and working with... Uh, all these different social media platforms, I guess them as agents of state to control what they are calling disinformation. I mean, I'm, I realize that this poses a major threat, but I'm also so amused that we have the manpower and the federal government to be this petty. Yeah, well, and, and this is what we've been saying for a long time, you know, is that social media companies are acting as de facto uh, arms of the federal government to enforce censorship. Uh, and people laughed at us, you know, or people kind of kind of brushed us aside and said, oh, no, that's, you know, they're a private company. They can do what they want. And you're like, no, they're like actually on the phone with the government. And is it any less a violation of your First Amendment rights if the government is asking someone to do it? Um, we, we have a yeah. we have a good piece on the Babylon Bee that's like uh, a, a Skynet Terminator is crushing someone, you know, and it's like, well, they're a private company. They can do what they want, you know. <laughs> Even yeah. though it's like, you know, the government is controlling these things and making it do what, what do these horrible, oppressive things. So that's kind of the, the vindication now that we're seeing with DHS and what Mark Zuckerberg admitted to, that basically they just got on the phone with the FBI and they're like, suppress the Hunter Biden laptop store. And they're like, OK, you know, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, this, we'll it's do crazy. It, it is. Incri- it's, it is crazy. Are you are you optimistic with Elon Musk taking over? I mean, he's made some changes, but. I know I think everybody is so used to being abused that we're all just kind of cautious and we're just sort of like, <laughs> wait, we're just sort of, you know, you know, recoiling. We don't know what to expect. What are your thoughts? Do you think, do you, what do you think he's going to do? I, I have no idea, but I mean, 
cautious optimism for sure. I mean, you know, it, 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 it can't be worse. <laughs> yeah, you've had him. You guys have had him on your podcast. You guys have talked to him. He seemed pretty yeah. agreeable. Yeah, he seemed like a he seemed really uh, vulnerable and honest. Like it, it didn't see he didn't seem polished. Like he had a PR guy with him telling him exactly what to say. It seemed like he was just uh, shooting from the hip and saying what he wanted to say. So that was pretty right. refreshing to see. Yeah, that is that was that was nice to see. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, you know, this it'll it'll improve and get a little bit better. But we appreciate what you guys do over at Babylon B because I think that there's there's I mean, your guys' site's one of my favorite. My so today, like my favorite headline is the newly hired restaurant hostess who got her ceremonial nose ring because mm-hmm. that is so unbelievably true. <laughs> there is has to be a ceremony somewhere where they are all awarded this accessory because I I don't know just. It is what it, it's hysterical because part of it is true and it's not in a mean way. It's just it, it's you know, it is what it is. Uh, but I guess uh, we'll and we'll watch and see if if SCOTUS ends up what what's done on this case, this this Novak case. So hopefully, I mean, I always get a little nervous when, you know, you put any kind of speech issue in the hand of a judge or Supreme Court, even even though I know the makeup of the court. I always get a little nervous. But, you know, you know, we'll 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 see what happens. But I, I appreciate what you all do and keep up the fight. Yeah, thanks a lot. Of course. Kyle Mann with the Babylon Bee. Always good to see you, Kyle. Thanks so much. And uh, we will we will watch that case, the Novak versus City of Parma case, because that's, I just can't even, I mean, I've looked at the page. I saw that page, and I, like, like a, a while ago, because this has been going on for quite some time, and when I realized that someone actually, because they said, they were trying to say that it was confused. It was, there was literally nothing about it that was confusing. And you clearly knew when you were going to that Facebook page that you're not actually at that that police department's page. And can I also add, too, because one of the arguments was, well, it could confuse someone in a time of an emergency. If you're having an emergency, are you going on Facebook? Kane, if you're having an emergency, are you going to let me go to my police's Facebook page? Hell no. No. People go, I want one. They don't go on Facebook. Let me comment. I'm having an emergency. And then everyone rates it. <laughs> I like your emergency. All right. I'm not going to do anything. And then they put an emoji. No. No. All right. Oh, and by the way, so Elon Musk just tweeted 10 minutes ago. He said Twitter's current lords and peasant system for who has or who doesn't have a blue check mark is BS. Blue for $8 a month. Uh, I've got questions. I got like a million questions about this. Does that can we can they stop throttling our accounts first? That'd be great. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. Oh my gosh, so where to even start? Um uh, with this Florida man, <laughs> this comes from Miami Herald. <laughs> Sorry, I just think it's funny. So uh This guy was driving without two tires, an SUV that was stopped along one of Florida's fine interstates. And this is in Marion County. And he got pulled. The driver was pulled over. And what he told the deputy, because the deputy said the tires were not only deflated, he was actually driving on the rim. And so what they said that what the driver said is that It was because of paranormal activity. We can't play the video because it's like really there's some Carson in it. But he said someone had put a hex on him. And it was 4 a.m. on a Sunday. 
and it was like the last weekend in October. And he said, the guy, he says, someone put a curse on me. This is paranormal activity. That's what he said. That's the reason why. Because the deputy goes, well, look, you know, I, we watched you hit a curb <laughs> while you're driving on your rims. And the guy's like, yeah. He goes, no. He goes, somebody put a curse on me. And what's happening is paranormal. And so the deputies are like, okay, maybe some other kind of spirits are involved. So let's maybe step out and do a sobriety test. So the driver got mad. Then he got real froggy, threatened to attack the deputies before kicking them, then trying to take one deputy's taser from the holster. And that's why we can't tell you or can't play the video. Because he goes, if you mess with me right now, I'm going to break your head with a baseball bat. That's the only thing that we can play other than the part where he said, I'm going to skin you alive after a bunch of expletives. So he got two counts of battery and a law enforcement officer resisting an officer with violence, attempted to deprive an officer of means of protection or communication, corrupt threat against the public servant, and driving under the influence. He now faces 20 half, 25 and a half years of imprisonment, and he's being held on a $27,000 bond, according to Marion County Sheriff's Office. Whew. Tell you what. Now, he doesn't sound like he's haunted. He just sounds like he's, he just, he, that's bad. You can't, that's not going to work. That's not even scientific. Uh, and last, if I have time, there was a uh, man who was charged for making a bomb threat inside of a South Florida dental office. Hmm, that's one I don't hear every day. WSVM had said 45-year-old Brian Kohler was arrested after he walked into the Wilton Manor's dental office. And he said that he had a bomb. Like, you know you can't rob a dental office, right? It's not like they, you know. His bond is set at $70,000. The SWAT team got him. Stick with us. Third hour on the way next. This kind of and political violence can be, if not justified, can certainly be set in some kind of context where none of us ever need to think about the fact that we are pointing firearms at our opponents in our ads. Um, it, was a, it was a shameful thing. It was irresponsible of Musk, but um, it, he, it didn't come into his head all by his own. Jeez. So this is uh, David Frum, who I've never played audio from on this show before because I normally, I don't, I forget he exists. I just don't care. He doesn't... D- pop up in my realm of recognition welcome back to the show third hour here dana lash your lovable curmudgeon he was mad because elon musk shared that that pelosi thing i'm going to touch on this real quick um and we've got a lot of other stuff to get into in this third hour um i am so he's like floating this idea he's like oh well we'll charge people eight dollars a month um you know, maybe $8 a month, power to the people, blue for $8 a month. I don't know why anybody, unless you just like self-abuse, I don't know why anybody would pay for that. I mean, paying for Twitter to get a, first off, the checkmark thing, validating accounts was only done to stop malicious misrepresentation. And then it turned into this dippy popularity contest. I think everybody should have a validated account. I will be absolutely damned I ain't going to pay. No, I'm not going to pay. I don't care enough about a blue check mark. If I did not have to be on Twitter for what I do, then I wouldn't be. I don't care. I don't care enough. I don't care about some rando, you know, haters opinion on something like somebody. It's like if people get mad because of when I said about Herschel Walker. Okay, well, I'll go harder next time. Thank you for the encouragement. Uh, But I don't care enough about a check mark to pay for it. I'm going to be throttled and abused all the same. It's just if I can be really forthright without being purposefully malicious, it's just dumb to me. It seems dumb to sit here and go and and say, well, we're going to charge money for this before you fix all of the stuff that is wrong with Twitter. Yeah, what, what value are people paying for? Being abused? Throttled? 
shadow banned, suspended if they share factual reporting, i.e. the New York Post Hunter Biden story, for saying pronouns like Babylon B. They still don't have their account back because they didn't use the right pronoun. And what we're already sitting here talking about charging people $8 a month for verification when you're when Twitter treats people like this, in my opinion, he hasn't fired enough people. I think you actually need to just clean all the house at Twitter. Because if you think that there aren't going to be individuals within that company that are going to want to sabotage anything that he's going to do, I got a bridge to sell you. Before they need, before they start talking about turning a profit at Twitter, they have got to clean house. And you need to make amends with your customer base. You need to understand, all of you, that when you use these platforms, you are the product. You aren't just the consumer. You are the product. You are sold. Targeted ads to you, like on Facebook. You are the product. Same thing with Twitter. So you're going to pay to be a product. It's like paying to wear a logo shirt. You're advertising for somebody. Can I be real? I had a friend that literally spent $350 on a t-shirt. It said Gucci. Oh, I made fun of her already to her face. So I was like, and you wore it out. I'm like, are they, is Gucci paying you to wear that out? That's a great brand, but are they pay, literally, the, you know what I mean? The white shirt that has the brand across. I'm like, did they pay you to do that? Like you are literally a prostitute. You're pimping. And I don't mean that. Like, I'm just very, just blunt. Like, I love you. But you realize you're, you're being a brand prostitute. You're, you paid them to wear that. They got you convinced that doing that signals your status to everybody else. That's what it is. And they've got it. They've got you warped in your mind. And they've got you convinced that this is, it's a status symbol. I'm going to advertise for free for them. $350 advertise for, I'm going to pay to advertise for you. No way. No way. What is it? Can you remember that? What did it go around? It went around a while ago. It was this meme or this viral story. Not a meme. It was this viral story and it had to do with this graphic designer. And someone was like, hey, you know, you get if you do this for us for free, you get recognition. And they're like, recognition? Shut up. I can't eat recognition. I can't pay my rent with recognition. I can't sit here and swipe recognition at the when I'm at the grocery store. Shut up. It's the same thing. But I say this because this is what social media, this is kind of like that same psychology. You know? So I think that what they did was they just pushed out that $20 like Overton window. Oh, no, it's half that. See, it's less than half that. You thought it was going to be bad. It's only this. It's still $8 too bad. I will literally let mine lapse. I do not care. I, I, out of, I will not do it. You got to make amends. How are you, how are you going to sit here and suggest money when you can't offer fairness? How are you going to, how are you going to suggest a fee when you have not made amends with the customer base? How is that going to work? See, it doesn't make it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Not going to happen. So, and honestly, it's not a real place. It's not. It's not a real place. I just want to know how they're going to protect against those. You know, the, the impersonation accounts that go out there. You were talking about that earlier about being verified was, you know, essentially the fight against those people putting those impersonation accounts together. So now that everybody can 
do a blue check mark for eight bucks a month, how are they going to know which account is a parody or a made up account if they can have extremely similar usernames? It mm-hmm. just doesn't. I don't know. I think this is a bigger problem than what he thinks the solution is. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. I don't know. I. 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 I just think this whole the whole thing is silly. Like you just got in there. Like there's, you know, make sure like you clean everything up first before we start doing this. And I get it that people got to turn a profit. I get it. I'm not denying that, but it's like, you know, maybe like you can't even find me unless you actually search for me. You could subscribe, like get notifications to anything I put out and you still can't. And there's a ton of my, a ton of people that I'm friends with. I have to create separate columns to see some of my friends because they never show up because they're, they're shadow banned. Like, and you can tell if you go to Twitter and you're searching, you have to go uh, to, you can go to most recent, not just top posts, but you have to go to most recent. But there'll be times if I search for some of my friends or even myself, most recent, like stuff doesn't show up. The newest thing that shows up is like five days ago. It's not a top search. It's most recent. They will, they do that on certain, Now I don't know if they have done it yet since he's taken over because I know he locked them out of a lot of the content manipulation. But it's, we. there is not a trust base. This is the same thing as, you know, say that you had love a brand of soda and they're poor and, they're, and they, they put, you know, fentanyl in some of it or something to the people that they don't like. They're abusing and poisoning you. And then they want you to come back and keep purchasing it even without having made amends or giving you faith that there's no more junk in their product. You know what I'm saying? It's a weird analogy, but I can't think of anything else right now. This whole thing is so stupid. Good grief. But what did it, you're, you're, you're paying for the privilege of using the public square. I get, I'm fine with private companies trying to turn a profit, but I think if you're going to do that, you've got to show everybody that you are acting as nothing more than a facilitator. And so far, Twitter hasn't proven that. What value do people get paying $8 a month to Twitter? What does it do? What, I mean, (laughs) gosh, I I have another response that I'm going to say for Kane when we're off air. I'm not even going to mute myself, so any of you smarty pants out there can't read my lips. Oh, yeah, it's a bad one, but it's amazing. All right, I got a couple of other things here. Coming up, we're going to talk to Dinesh D'Souza about the whole situation with True the Vote. Catherine Engelbrecht, I think Doug Phillips, they were individuals that were, or Greg Phillips were arrested or held in contempt of court because they wouldn't give up a source for this uh, character who ended up getting arrested out in Los Angeles because he was keeping poll worker information on Chinese servers, which you're not supposed to do. So we're going to talk to him about that here coming up. Now, a few other things. I got some wokery for you. One of my favorite shows is the Great British Bake Off. I like I don't I don't watch normal TV like a normal person. I watch horror films, westerns, and baking shows. That's all I watch. I really don't care. And so they had, so this was towards the end of the last month. And people, it was Matt Lucas. He was in Bridesmaids. He was the uh, uh, brother in the apartment with Kristen Wiig and Bridesmaids. And Noel Fielding, who is in one of my favorite shows of all time, Mighty Boosh. That's one of my absolute favorite shows. And Noel Fielding, he's done some pretty politically. He's, it's weird because he's, he's far left and he's try, it's like he almost is kind of woke. But he's a far left dude. But he's engaged in some of the most politically incorrect comedy I've ever seen, at least for a British person. And so he's one of the he's the the, the tall, odd, black haired dude uh, on um, Great British Baking Show. So him and Matt Lucas, they apparently they were having uh, uh, the for the Great British Bake Off. They were having Mexican Week, and they opened up 
the show wearing sombreros and they they were just they didn't even say anything offensive um like for instance one at one point noel said i don't feel like we should make mexican jokes people will get upset they were in ponchos and sombreros and then uh matt lucas said well not even one and i mean i get what they you know come on guys it's people are getting so uh, like completely freaked out about it. They were mad that there were sombreros in, that they were wearing sombreros. They were mad at at um, their pronunciation of certain Mexican foods. They were mad at certain you know other things. Kane, your part, your 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 white adjacent. Remember because you're half Mexican, so That's you true. get to be ri- you can riot over this. Apparently, from what I understand by society's rules, you can riot. I find it hilarious, actually. I just don't understand do. why. I mean, you you literally have. Dude's walking around in woman face, but this is going to make you mad? Right. Oh, I don't have enough middle fingers on my hands right now. I do not. Do not. I just, I can't, I can't take it seriously. You got dudes who are walking around talking about how it's okay for women to have bulges, like the guy who interviewed Joe Biden uh, two weeks ago. But this, that doesn't make you mad, but this makes you mad? Somebody wore a sombrero? Right. Have a million seats. And it's an entire week that actually highlights... Bakery Amazing items from Mexico. Mexico. And I want to watch this because exactly. I am all about that. I want to watch it. And then you got all the, you, got, you have all these like woke schools that are out there freaking out over all of it. It was interesting because one of the, their legit, one of their more serious judges, uh, Prue, was actually defending it, saying that people were just getting ridiculous. She said that, you know, they have a tons of diversity with contestants and, I mean, they had Japanese week, which was, actually pretty amazing and some people were like oh you're lumping it all together under one umbrella and forcing all asian cultures are the same stereotype which i don't actually think so because they i mean they're they're trying to show all of the different types of things that you can do and the relationship that some things have in one culture with other things in other cultures like i did um what is it i did an invisible apple gateau uh of one thanksgiving which was partially inspired by a japanese recipe and it's when you slice the apples so thin and you drench them in the batter and you can't tell where the fruit begins and the the actual you know cake begins uh and it was absolutely amazing it's why it's called it it was invisible and it was so good and it's like i would not have and i actually got that off of it was a recipe that i modified off of great british british baking show and so there that's the whole purpose is to explore baking and cooking and being inspired by other cultures and everybody i mean these these people are modern day segregationists I don't know how else to describe it. They think, oh, the culture shouldn't mix. You know who else talked like that? The Klan back in the day. And Democrats today, (laughs) because they're the same thing. Uh, But stop. Just can everybody unclench their butts for five seconds, chill the hell out, and realize the world is not out to get you. Okay? That's the government. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So I have a couple of other, this is a couple of other headlines here that I wasn't able to get to. So this is a California man who was dressed as a fireball whiskey bottle. He got in trouble for drunken conduct. Yeah, he was dressed as a fireball costume uh, and uh, it was arrested for, I'm not going to lie, it's not bad. Uh, he was uh, Dominic Salazar. He was booked into county lockup 3.20 a.m. on an assortment. It was a cornucopia of felony, misdemeanor, and vehicular counts. He lives in Central California. He's being held in lieu of $55,000 bond. 
And uh, I love how they go. The whiskey outfit, which retails for $45, is intended for adults of legal drinking age. Yeah, you can't you can't be doing all of that. They, they, but he ended up getting in trouble. So it seems like he was drunk and got into some shenanigans and then he got busted. So you can't be just, you know, that's just the chef's kiss that he was in that costume. The uh, Pentagon attributes UFO sightings to spies and airborne trash. I don't believe you. No, that's what they say. They go. They said we've been offering transparency. DNI, Director of National Intelligence, they per, they're providing an update to a report the intel agency made in June of last year. They looked at 140 incidents of unidentified uh, air, air whatever uh, between 2004 and 2021, and they said they're downplaying the theories of alien invasions. And they say oh, it's more like most likely ordinary objects. I don't believe you. And a family turned their pet dog into an ornament, like the uh, Coraline movie. They decided to stuff it, and uh, some users are, they said that it's disturbing. Kind of. Dinesh D'Souza coming up. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's The Dana Show. Welcome back to the program. Your lovable curmudgeon here with you. The bottom of our third hour this Tuesday. Yesterday we were on air as I shared this story with you uh, about true the vote leaders who were held in contempt of court. Catherine Engelbrecht uh, was who's I think you've she's been on this on this program before. It's been some time. Uh, but she and I believe it was Greg Phillips. They were held in contempt of court because they would not reveal who their source was, this confidential informant, uh, as it relates to this, the owner of the Conic company that 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 kept all of this polling poll worker data, and apparently they weren't supposed to keep it on Chinese servers, and they kept it on Chinese servers. There's things that you can and cannot do when it relates to storing information pertaining to elections and voting. And so they, I thought the left loved whistleblowers, by the way. So they were held in contempt of court. They were taken into custody yesterday is when it came out. And I, I, it just kind of shocks me that there, that this is happening. It makes you kind of question as to whether it is or isn't political. And they, of course, you guys know that they were both involved with Dinesh D'Souza's 2000 Mules documentary, which is also a book that he has out, which Kate was released last week. And Dinesh joins us now via Skype. Uh, my friend, always good to see you. Uh, and congrats on the book, 2000 Mules, which was released last week. I've got to first and foremost ask you, what are your what was your reaction to the story about uh, Catherine and Greg taken into custody because over this uh, uh, over this informant, they refused to uh, out this individual's identity. Yeah, it's um, it's um, very shocking and I think um, unnecessary. So to lay out the story, Catherine and Greg held a kind of forum. It was called they called it the Pit, in which they revealed that an election software company called Conic. Mm-hmm was storing sensitive election data on Chinese servers in a manner accessible to Chinese officials, the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party. And they were like, how can this be okay? And there was a little bit of a public outcry. And then Connick turned around and sued Catherine and Greg, claiming that they had sort of broken into their data and claiming that they had were falsely accusing this company and that they were racist because the head of this company, a guy named Eugene Yu, Yu, uh, is Chinese. Um, and, um, 
And so this lawsuit was filed. And then uh, shortly after the lawsuit was filed, Eugene Yu was arrested, arrested by uh, who? By the LA uh, district attorney, George Gascon. And he was charged with election uh, crimes. He was charged also with embezzlement, taking city money for these contracts and purloining it for himself. And so um, you would think that the judge in Texas would go, listen, why don't we let this criminal case play out? Let's find out if this these allegations have merit. Obviously, the DA's office, a very progressive uh, district attorney, thinks that they do. Um, and let's leave aside the question of how you, Catherine and Greg, found out about this. Catherine and Greg say that they had a confidential informant inside the FBI. But this judge is like, you know, I want to know the name of the informant and I'll, we won't worry about his security and we won't worry about whether he gets doxxed or not. And if you don't give me the name, I'm going to lock you up to teach you a lesson. So that's what's going on. They're being locked up to, quote, teach them a lesson for at least a day. As far as I know, they're still incarcerated. And, and I find this outrageous. I mean, if this had been a New York Times reporter, a Washington Post reporter protecting a confidential source, right, I right. don't see the same outcome. Now, that brings me to my point. I thought that I thought or my observation earlier, I thought the left loved whistleblowers because essentially that's what this is. And, and they and their duty as citizens protecting voter integrity, that's exactly what they were doing here. But yet it seems that there is more outrage over the fact that they drew attention to it than the fact that the crime has, I mean, allegedly, but the guy was arrested, as you said, by George Gascon, you know, that that bastion of conservatism out there in L.A. County. Uh, he was arrested for this. So it doesn't look like it was a false accusation. But people are more outraged by the fact that Catherine and Greg drew attention to it and won't won't out that informant. I mean, what is what is the accusation that they that they committed some sort of criminal activity as a way to get this information? It doesn't seem that way. No, and there's been some very good reporting now that's come out on Connick and on Eugene Yu. This is a guy, by the way, who was born in China, educated in China, created this software company and was peddling it to the Chinese government. He was actually saying, I've got the best software company to run uh, Chinese elections that are organized by the Communist Party, obviously featuring one Communist Party candidate against another. So these are basically controlled elections of a kind we're now familiar with in places like Cuba or Iran. They're not real elections. But nevertheless, this guy was good with it uh, and willing to put his services. So he's clearly got deep connections in China. Mm -hmm. uh, but the base of his company is in Michigan. He apparently signed contracts in which he agreed that he would not take this data abroad. And moreover, the only people who were exposed to it would be people who had some clearance and who were U.S. citizens. So this is the basis of what the criminal complaint is from Los Angeles, which I've read. So I'm not really sure what's going on in the Texas courtroom, but it looks to me you've got one of these authoritarian, perhaps vindictive judges. And this guy's like, it's my way or the highway. And Catherine and Greg are like, look, our hands are tied. If we reveal this guy's name, no one's ever going to come forward on the voting issue or any other issue and give us information. Let's remember the 2000 mules started because a whistleblower came forward in Georgia and described a ballot trafficking operation. He said, listen, I don't want my name to be revealed. Uh, and we haven't revealed it, obviously. But he said, this is how it works. This is what convinced Catherine and Greg to raise money to buy the geo-tracking data to substantiate and prove a hypothesis that had been put forward to them by this whistleblower. So without the whistleblower, this would, they would not have known how this operation goes and they wouldn't have known even what data to buy. 
Mm-hmm. So, so whistleblowers are critical to this process, and uh, this is why. But you got to commend their bravery, and I think they will come out of this stronger than ever. So, I commend them for sticking by their principles and being willing to, um, you know, to go into go to go to jail for uh, to protect a, a legitimate source. Yeah, as do I. We're talking with Dinesh D'Souza now. We have uh, elections coming up just next week, and you know, speaking of two thousand mules, there was. Uh, there have been some stories coming out about people who want to make sure that they can watch the ballot boxes uh, there. And, and there's always there's always some sort of conspiracy about militias and everything else that have come out from the left. But it's interesting how much attention that's getting from the media, particularly when they didn't seem very interested, as you would remember, Dinesh, back during uh, I, I think it was maybe the 2008 election uh, when it didn't seem that media was very concerned about you know, you had very leftist militant groups that were outside of polling places trying to, on video intimidating people as they were going in to vote, particularly the new Black Panther Party. I wanted to get your your thoughts on all of that. Well, first of all, it's in the election rules that every Dropbox should have surveillance. And it's, it is outrageous that they don't. It's, an out, it's outrageous that many Dropboxes to this day, in 2020, the excuse was COVID. We didn't get around to it. But uh, there's no excuse for not doing that now at at an era where every parking lot, every mall has surveillance. Nobody can reasonably say that having surveillance is a form of voter intimidation. And if you had surveillance, you wouldn't need patriots camping out of the drop boxes. Now, with the exception of one image that I saw about a couple of guys who looked like they're in military fatigues with a van, which looked a little bit scary. Again, I don't know the details, but without with the exception of that, simply watching a drop box is completely legal. In fact, the left went to a judge in Arizona and said, oh, this is voter suppression. He goes, wait a minute. If someone is not interfering with voters and they're simply camping out and looking to see that no shenanigans are taking place, that's the constitutional right. Now, I see today the Justice Department is trying to weigh in and act like this is some sort of new threat to voting, but uh, but not at all. This is basically, I would say this is people who are now awakened to the problem that these drop boxes are really vulnerable and that mail-in and absentee ballot fraud is the most common type of fraud. That's been true for 100 years, by the way. And uh, so we are waking up to their shenanigans, and this is what's freaking them out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dinesh D'Souza, the book which has been released after the documentary 2000 Mules is out now. Appreciate the work that you've done on this as well. Uh, You've highlighted a lot of important things that I don't think people were entirely aware of, particularly with the uh, ballot trafficking, uh, most importantly. So people hopefully will be on the lookout. And I hope that everyone has gone to go and and train to be poll watchers in their area. That's one of the things that one last quick thing Republicans never really done. Actually, that's going to be my last quick thing for you. Have you noticed an increase in that, by the way, Uh, people willingly signing up to make sure that they're working the polls and volunteering and doing what they can? For sure. I mean, one of the lines in the movie is that Republicans tend to focus on the campaign and Democrats on the election. Democrats want to know where the drop box is going to be, who's going to open the ballots. And if there's a smudge over here and the vote is ambiguous, who decides if it's valid? What if the person forgets to put their address? Is that a valid vote? So Republicans now realize that, you know what, we got to have our eyes on that process. We need to be volunteers and poll watchers and poll judges and so on. And I've seen some increase in activity, which I think is all to the good. There you go. Dinesh D'Souza, 2000 Mules is the book. And of course, the documentary as well. Make sure you see it. And you have info in the lower third there. Dinesh, good to see you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. We have more to come, folks, as we wrap up this third hour of our broadcast. And yeah, we'll keep you up to date with anything, any developments on that story. So as he said, I haven't seen anything new 
uh, suggesting that they're still not actually in custody, that they're not. It's just wild. It is absolutely wild that people would be more outraged that they brought attention to this absolute fact because this Eugene Yu was arrested in L.A. County. And George Gascon, we've talked about him before. He's not a super mega ultra mega extremist, right? He's a big he's a lefty. It's just wild. And he there was even enough there to convince him to have this guy arrested. But, you know, listen to the Dana show live on the Odyssey app weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time. I was reading this headline that was made by Nancy Pelosi's neighbor for 10 years in San Francisco. Her name is Marjorie Campbell. And she said that she was telling the press she remembers fleets of black SUVs surrounding the Speaker of the House's mansion 24-7. She says she even remembers her own computers being scrambled by alleged security measures to protect number three, you know, from after president you have the vice president then you have the house speaker she says everyone in the neighborhood has alarms on our windows if the glass smashes an alarm goes off so she was questioning how it is if he broke in why and it was two or something in the morning why did no alarm go off because the police statements in the criminal complaint make it seem as though he broke in because he smashed a back patio door but that kind of goes against everything that the neighbors apparently know about their security. They said, she says, everyone in the neighborhood has alarms on our windows. She says, we all have alarms that chime if a door's open or closed. Alarms go off. She's like, that doesn't make any sense. It's, and I agree, it's weird. It does, not, it does not make sense. I just, there's a lot of questions there. And the way the media handled it, Politico had reported that there was, what was it? They were the ones, one of the first earlier ones to say that it was, uh, yeah, here it is right here. They were trying to say that, oh, the uh, reports of a third person at his house are baseless. But that's what Politico literally reported. That was their own actual reporting. There are screenshots of it. Do they know what they report? I'm just kind of curious as to who's monitoring the, uh, the, their, their news over there. But it is, I mean, it is weird. There's, there's, some, there's some questions. It's weird. And considering that it was weaponized to try to go after conservatives over it, that right there necessitates answers. Because you can't impugn the characters and morality of half the country and sit here and claim that it's everybody else's rhetoric. And then there's all these other questions when... You know, of course, they didn't want to do that when it was a progressive that tried to assassinate not just Steve Scalise, but a bunch of other Republicans on a ball field over his anger regarding health care per his manifesto. So, like, for instance, one of the neighbors says, my daughter came home from a Christmas dance one year and, and it got through the entire she it got through the entire event. She was having a party. So we had cars descend on that block. And she says within 10 minutes, police were everywhere. And they said if a if an alarm you know accidentally goes off, police are everywhere. They, I mean, they it's nice that they have nice response time there, but not elsewhere. We have needles and feces, but I digress. So, I it's and even Gavin De Becker, who is a in, famous security expert, said that he was surprised that no alarms and all nothing went off, and that there didn't seem to be any. You see what I'm saying? It's just. When you consider that in the 911 call, it's just weird. 
or they they were because it was a welfare check they said just got a lot of questions and he doesn't yeah i mean it's fair to say he doesn't uh paul pelosi there doesn't have the best um the best reputation i guess you could say so uh this i've got tomorrow we're going to get into some uh some of the what what to expect Really, everybody's going to be focused on midterms, but then after midterms, everybody's going to be freaking out over the economy because you're going to see gas get even more expensive, uh, especially as the temperatures drop. People are going to be paying more. We're going to take a look at some of these headlines coming in. That's going to be fueling a lot of this. Any last minute fence sitters, that's really going to be fueling a lot of it. So we're going to we're going to focus on all of that and get into all of that as well. And in the meantime, make sure you go to Substack, sign up for Chapter and Verse, the newsletter. Today in stupidity, Kane. All right, it's Eric. I'm going to nuke you because I'm in the government swalwell. <laughs> he is talking about Pelosi's attacker, which you were just alluding to, mm-hmm. but this is the spin the Democrats and the media want you to believe. Yeah, he, he went there to kill. And, and speaking of that revolutionary talk, we heard that from Ted Cruz. We heard that from Marjorie Taylor Greene leading up to January 6th. Most that. Americans, if you they, go to their Facebook they page, trying. they've got pictures of their family, their dogs, their favorite sports teams, maybe hunting with their kids. This guy had conspiracy theories about January 6th, COVID, and, and other nonsense that looks just like the Facebook pages of Ted Cruz. Yeah, a Castro, that's not even accurate. A Castro but... nudist in Berkeley at a commune. Oh, yeah, that's MAGA. Yeah, that's... It's like, please, exactly. Eric sleeping with Chinese spies, Swalwell. Exactly. Thanks, anyway. Mm, folks, that does it for us today. And as I said, make sure, head on over. You can actually find, uh, I have in the profiles on all my social media profiles, also danalash.com, but you can sign up for the newsletter, chapter and verse over at Substack. Uh, so we got all that stuff for you as well. And then, as I said, we're going to be looking into some of the economic headlines. We're going to be looking at some of the midterm stuff. And I have more wokery for you tomorrow uh, that we will hit. And as always, no pandemic amnesty. We're not going to have that either. No. no. Folks, have a great night. Back with you tomorrow.